Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. So there were three guys, and they were in a boat, and um, somehow or another, they ended up catching a mermaid. So the mermaid's sitting in the boat with them, and she's looking scared. And she says, I will give each one of you a wish if you'll let me go. So the first guy, he, he goes, well, I know, I know, uh, double my IQ, make me twice as smart. And the mermaid looks at him, smiles, and says, done. Instantly, he's quoting Shakespeare and other classical literature. And he's like, that is so cool, right? And the second guy was like, oh, I know what I want. And so he goes, he goes, he goes I know what I'm going to wish for. And she said, go ahead. He said, three times, triple my IQ. The mermaid smiled, done. Instantly, he's spouting off mathematical equations that have stumped scientists for centuries. It's like, whoa, where did that come from? This is so cool, right? The, the third guy, he goes, I know, I know, I know what I want. She said, what is it? He goes, four times, quadruple my IQ. And the mermaid goes, no. I usually don't try to interrupt or, or interfere with a person's wish, but I'm really going to ask you to reconsider this. Because, see, here's the deal. Because if I made you four times smarter, if I increased your IQ by four times, it would totally radically change everything. I mean everything about you. He goes, I don't care, four times. She says, okay, done. He became a woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so today we're going to talk about relationships. And, and we're, we're kind of honing in on the marriage relationship, but you need to know that this isn't just for marriage. This is for all relationships, okay? So if you're here this morning and you're not married, you're not off the hook. You can't check out on me. And I promise you, if, you, if you'll engage for the next two, two and a half hours, you're going to learn something, Okay? <laughs> I guarantee you, the first thing you'll probably learn is I exaggerate a little bit. We probably won't be here for the full two and a half, okay? But um, so we, we heard the scripture on the screen a little bit ago. We heard it from the Message Bible, right? I like the message. It's, it's, it's very um, intriguing. I like to listen uh, or, or read it sometimes for study, some comparison. Sometimes it's just a good fresh breath, right? You're used to reading something and you read it in a, a fresh version and you're like, oh, that's cool. So, but... but Here's the deal. When we're looking at this scripture, there's some other translations that um, they use a word that we usually don't like very much. Uh, both Peter here and, and Paul in Ephesians 5, they talk something like this. They said, men and women are to mutually... S- s- they're, they're, men and women are, are supposed to mutually... S- s- what's that word? Somebody help me. Submit. Submit. There we go. Mutually submit to one another. Now, let me ask you, when you hear that word submit, does that usually carry a positive or a negative tone? Negative, negative right? We think about uh, cowering and backing down, complying, treat me like a doormat, things like that, right? But that is not the way that Peter meant for that word to be implemented into this scripture. Let's take a look at a little better definition of the word submission, okay? Be on the screen. Having the courage to give up my rights to meet the needs of someone else. Now, I want all of us just to read that together and say it out loud, really loud, okay? Having the courage to give up my rights to meet the needs of someone else. 
That's a much better definition, wouldn't you agree? Second service is winning. That's a much better definition, isn't it? Kind of sounds like Jesus, if you ask me. And since we call ourselves Christ followers, don't you suppose we should probably follow Christ? I mean, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, Christ in us, that we should actually do what Jesus did and love like he loved, don't you suppose? Can Can we just cut to the chase and talk about what sabotages so many relationships Today, it's, it's selfishness. What sabotages so many relationships is selfishness. Now, I know y'all are probably way more spiritually mature than I am, but I just got to confess, I'm selfish. I am. When I wake up in the morning, guess whose belly I'm thinking about? Mine. I'm thinking about what I want to have for breakfast. I'm thinking about how much time I've got before I have to get going with my day. I'm thinking about all the things that I need to accomplish. I'm thinking about the things I'd like to do when I get done doing all the stuff I have to do. I'm thinking about what I want for lunch. When I get home, guess what I'm still thinking about? Me, right? When I get ready to go to bed, guess who I'm still thinking about? Me, right? I'm selfish. I am. I am selfish to the core. It kind of reminds me of the, the shop foreman. He, uh, he was thinking he wasn't getting enough respect that people weren't paying enough attention to him taking him serious enough and so he puts this big poster up on his office door and it simply says i'm the boss with two exclamation points teach them right then he goes to lunch and when he comes back from lunch there's a little yellow sticky note on the poster and it says your wife called while you were gone and she'd like her poster back (laughs) (laughs) we've all heard pastor keith say when it comes to living life, it's either my way or Yahweh, right? And, and this morning, I want us to press in to Jesus. I want us to press in to living life the way God wants us to. To not be selfish, but to really be a Christ follower. Because this isn't just a message that I want you to hear and then leave and dismiss it. This is a message that has the potential to change your life. We're all involved in relationships, whether it's a marriage relationship, whether it's courting, whether it's just best friends, um, good friends, employer, employee. We're all engaged in relationships, and if we will engage with this message, it has the potential to change your lives. So, if you have, uh, I mean, think think about Jesus, first of all. He came to serve, not be served, right? He came and he laid down his life so that you and I could have life. That is, that is the definition of unselfishness. It's the ultimate example. I mean, this requires unselfishness. And if we're going to talk about relationships, we should just hone in really close to home and talk about it there. So if you have your notes, please take them out. We're going to poke at two questions today. The first one we're going to look at is, why should I be unselfish? And the second one is practical then. How do I live an unselfish life? So we're going to look at three reasons for being unselfish. The first one is selfishness is the source of conflict. Selfishness is the source of conflict. James chapter 4. Now, when when we read the scripture, you see words that are underlined and bold or whatever. That means those are your words to read really loud, okay? So James chapter 4 and verse 1. Why do you fight and argue with each other? Isn't it because you are full of selfish desires? Very good. Isn't it because you're full of selfish desires that fight to control your body? I mean, you take any argument, 
any conflict, any war, anything, you boil it all down, what it comes down to is someone is being selfish. No matter what it is, you take any argument, you boil it down, what it comes down to is someone is being selfish. We're, we're a selfish people. I confess, you know, that's, that's what I think about. I got, I got a wife, I got four kids, soon to be five grandkids, and still, who's the one I think about throughout the day mostly? Me. I'm selfish. And I think that goes for most of us. We're, we're selfish. Have you ever heard any of the jokes that, that end with the punchline and that's how the fight began? You may have heard of those? Yeah. I'll share one with you. So the other night, sitting on the couch, flipping through the channels, and my wife came and sat down beside me, and she said, what's on the TV? I looked at her and smiled and said, dust. <laughs> and that's how the fight began. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Back to selfishness. Michael Hernandez wrote something that is very true, and I, I contend that it carries right on into adulthood. Okay? It's called property law as viewed by a toddler. Property law as viewed by a toddler. I'm going to read part of a phrase, and then I'm going to ask you to finish it. We'll do the first one together so you kind of understand what I'm talking about. Okay? Keep in mind, property law as viewed by a toddler. So I'll say, if I like it, you say, it's mine. Okay? You guys are quick learners. All right, here we go. Ready? If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If I can see it, it's mine. If I played with it long enough, if it's in my hand, it's mine. if I had it a little while ago, it's mine. if I had it first, it's mine. if I want it, it's mine. if it's broke, it's yours. <laughs> yeah, that's property law as viewed by a toddler, isn't it? So why should we be unselfish? Number two, because unselfishness is the secret to change. Unselfishness is the secret to change. In our text, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Be unselfish, so that if your husbands don't believe the word, they may be won over. They may be what? Changed. Changed without words by the behavior of their wives. You see, here's the deal. Change is required in any relationships. Y'all do realize that, don't you? Like if a relationship is good, the question should be asked, could it be better? And if the answer is yes, which it should be, then change is required. Because if you want something different than what you've been getting, you, should do, you need to do something different than what you've been doing. Try that one really quick, right? So even if it could be better, it requires change. If, if the relationship is in bad shape and things aren't going well, then change is definitely required. Is everybody, does that make sense? So no matter what, relationships require change. It all comes down to this. In either case, the key is unselfishness. And we do the right thing because it's the stinking right thing to do. That's my phrase. I just use it a lot, you know. I, I like that word stinking. It just kind of stings. It, I, I just like to throw it in there, right? So I do that in Del Rapids all the time. We say, do the right thing because it's the stinking right thing to do. And that's what we're looking at. It's not about me. It's about loving others. And so we do the right thing. Jesus Christ is our ultimate example in doing the right thing. He gave up his glory, didn't he? He gave up his rights. He gave up his life so that we could have life. Amen? Amen? That's the ultimate example of unselfishness. And look at how many lives are changed because of what Jesus has done. I mean, take a look to your left and right. Look behind you. Look in front of you. Look at how many lives have been changed, even right here in this room, in this service, because of what Jesus has done. Yes, he deserves our praise this morning. 
Now here's a pointed question. How many lives could be changed if you and I truly followed Jesus? If we really followed what his word says, if we really loved like he tells us to love, if we really had compassion like he had, if we truly followed Jesus like we're supposed to and followed his example, think about how many lives would be changed. Why should we be unselfish? Number three, because selfishness short circuits prayer. Now, I could ask you to say that really fast three times, but chances are you'd say something naughty and then it would be my fault. So we're not gonna, I'm not going to ask you to say it really fast. I'm just going to say it slower. Selfishness short circuits prayer, right? First Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. Why? So your prayers will not be hindered. Preacher, are you saying that if I'm selfish that God won't hear my prayers? <laughs> That's precisely what the preacher's saying. If you're selfish, you shouldn't expect that God hears your prayers. Why? You know what another word for selfish is? Sin. And when we're living a life of sin, you know what we should expect God to hear from us? Wah, 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 wah. That's what God's going to hear until we confess that sin of selfishness, repent of it, and then when we do that, the lines of communication get opened right back up. Isn't that the beautiful, awesome thing about Jesus? When we confess and repent, it's all open and he hears everything we're saying. So let's get practical for, for just a little bit this morning. We talked about why we should be unselfish, and that makes sense of why we should do things, but now we got to get to the, where the rubber meets the road and say, how do I do that? How do I live a life that's unselfish? And the first thing, it starts with understanding. Understanding, consider others' needs. Understanding, consider others' needs. When we look at our scripture in 1 Peter, when we look at scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, we see that the secret in any marriage, but not only marriage, in any relationship, is to place others' needs before our own. That takes some work. I like to call it preferring. You know, I could say, like, fine, I'll let you have your way, but that sounds kind of childish and not very mature and polite, right? I like to say, I prefer you, right? It's just, it just sounds cooler to me, right? I'm preferring you. Like, I like... Canadian bacon with extra cheese on my pizza. My wife likes sausage pizza. Sounds boring, doesn't it? I mean, just, but that, you know, that, right? So I prefer her. And so instead of always getting Canadian bacon with extra cheese, I prefer her and say sausage pizza. Would I prefer to live in a, in a bigger city with hustle and bustle? Yes. I, my, I dream location would be to picture myself living in a loft apartment like in downtown Minneapolis. To me, that just sounds awesome. Not so much to my wife. She's a country girl. So, do we live in a big city in, down, in downtown Minneapolis? Yes. No, we don't. Because then I would be having my way. I prefer her. We live out in the country where it's dirty and dusty and smells like money. <laughs> right? And so that's where we're at. Why? Because I prefer her. And so that's what it's all about. We need to learn how to prefer the other person. Understanding. How are we going to have practical ways of improving our relationships? Prefer the other person. 
Here's the deal. Um, we, we see this all over, but, but Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, look at that verse. Let everyone see that you are what? One more time. Let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all you do. Church, it's really not that hard, okay? Like, especially the whole pizza thing. That's not that hard. It's only going to affect you for a few hours, right? You just choose, like, what am I going to put in my tummy today or whatever? I'm going to prefer the sausage pizza over the Canadian bacon with extra cheese. It's not a big deal. It's rather, rather simple. It doesn't really mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. Now, maybe changing where you live the rest of your life, that might be a little bigger deal, right? But it, it's, really, it's really not that tough. As a matter of fact, when you start doing it, you'll start seeing that the other person will start acknowledging it. So like when I order a, a sausage pizza, my wife smiles. She gives me that look. And I'm like, this is all worth it, right? You, you guys, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? When you just get that, that, like she melted right there. I ordered sausage pizza and I am the man, right? And she's just like, ah. So I mean, it gets easier and easier. It's just like, ah, you just do it on purpose now because you like getting that look and the kiss, right? And so... But it, and, then, and then pretty soon you're going to discover that you're not arguing about getting your own way. You're starting to argue about getting their way. Have you ever experienced that? Where you're like, no, we're, no, honey, we're going to get sausage pizza. I know you're, no, 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 we're going to get Canadian bacon with extra cheeses because I know you really, no, no, honey, you're not arguing about getting your way. You're arguing about getting their way. That just sounds weird, but you try that. I double dog dare you. <laughs> Threw it down. Go for it, right? Try it. It's just so much. It just gets fun. You're preferring the other person. You're meeting their needs. Remember the definition of submission? Having the courage to give up my rights to meet the needs of someone else. Right? It's so simple. So the first word is what? Understanding. Say understanding. understanding. Second word is honor. Say honor. honor. Valuing people's values. Honor. Valuing people's values. It seems that uh, uh, honor is a lost virtue in our country, doesn't it? Like, we, we, we really don't know what honor is. We don't honor our parents. We don't honor our friends and family. We don't honor the men and women who serve our country and the military. We don't honor those in authority over us. We, we really struggle to honor God, if it truth be known. And so we really need to work on that. Christian author and speaker Gary Smalley gives this definition. He said it's deciding to place high value, worth, or importance on another person by viewing him or her as a priceless gift and granting them a position in our lives of great respect. You can't respect someone if you don't see them as a gift. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to turn to somebody and say, you're a priceless gift. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Again, we talked about 1 Peter 3 in Ephesians chapter 5. They both give instruction to husbands and wives. And, and I like to describe it as like a reciprocating relationship. A reciprocating motor, if you will. Like, and, and guys, I believe it all starts with us. God has called us men to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. 
It's either amen or oh me. It's just truth. God has called us men to be the spiritual leaders in our home. Now, they're, they're, we, we take some pride in that, but whoa, 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 hold on. With that, with that position comes some, a whole lot of responsibility because you know what Paul says to do? He says that husbands, we are to love our wives, how? Like Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He died for her, right? Men, you love her like that, right? You love her like that, and she's going to have no problem coming under your authority. She's going to have no problem with that S word at all. She's going to submit to your authority with no problem. Why? Because you're loving her socks off. You're loving her like Christ loved the church. And if you do that, she's going to have no problem submitting to your authority. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Ladies, flip that around. If you're coming under his authority, now sometimes, you know what, we don't just do things because they deserve it. We do the right thing. Why? Because it's a stinking right thing to do. Ladies, if you come under your husband's authority and submit to his authority, whether he's right or wrong, if you come under his authority and say, you are the leader of this home, honey, you know what? He's still going to be like putty in your hands. He's going to love you like Christ loved the church because you're putting him in that position. It's just the way God designed it, and it works. It's a reciprocating relationship. Well, but preacher, what if, what if there's a cog off and somehow it just stopped? It's just not working. How do we get that thing going again? Men, that's where it comes to us. We are the leaders. We are, it's God's design. What do you do? You love her like Christ loved the church, period. Amen. She doesn't, I didn't say, it. God's word doesn't say if she deserves it. He said, love her like Christ loved the church. And you're going to find it just works. You do your part. Let God take care of the rest. Amen? Amen? But since Peter here is talking about marriage relationship, let me, let me, I'd like to offer you just a little bit of advice this morning. Guys, open the door for her. Yeah? Open the door for her. Go into a restaurant, open the door for her. But she's like 10 feet ahead of me. Then Run! Get ahead of her and open the door. Stop making excuses. Just get it done. Right? Open the door. Open the car door for her. It's not difficult. She gets in and then, yes, men, close the door for her too. Okay? We're, we're thick sometimes. we got to have all the help we need. Open the door for her. Close the door for her. Ladies, don't you open it. Don't you do it. You just stand there. When we go out in the parking lot today, you just stand there. <laughs> Serious, don't open that door. And you just look at him. And he might already be sitting in the car. You just stand there. He'll figure it out. And he'll get back out and he'll come and he'll open that door and you'll get in and he'll close it and he'll come back around and sit down and it'll be good. Or your husband might be one of the thicker ones and he'll be sitting here and he'll go, it's unlocked. Right? Don't fall for it. You stand there. Do not open that door. You stand there. It's going to be fun to watch that parking lot. Right? You just stand there and let him open the door. Ladies, 
When your man comes in from starting the grill or mowing the yard or from a day's work or whatever, give him a hug and a kiss. Yeah? I mean, that's what we want. That's what we need. Just do it. Right? So we talked about this whole thing like, you know, men and women mutually submit and we're kind of talking about in the same, you know, flow and woven together. But yeah, we're way different. Right? Men and women, we're different. Can I tell you something? I can't tell you this by personal experience because I've never been a lady. And you're welcome, right? <laughs> but, but I've heard from enough ladies over the past couple of decades to know this. The, a, a woman's greatest need is the need for security. Absolutely. Yeah? To know, like, my man loves me. He's with me. Whether I'm having a bad hair day or not, he loves me. He's never going to leave me. He's always going to be there. That's security. My man's here. She needs that security that he's protecting me, that he's providing for me. And this isn't like some dominant type thing. This is the way God wired ladies. To need, they, they, their greatest need is security to know everything's going to be okay. That's why one, one of the reasons that I am totally against women being the financial leader of the home. I know you're smart, twice as smart as the men, four times as smart as the men. We just talked about that with IQs, right? I know you can do it far better, but that doesn't mean you're supposed to. Just because you could doesn't mean you should. Amen? Amen. God has ordained it that the men should be the spiritual leaders, and I believe that carries right over into the finance. Let me give, let me give you the example of why I would say that. Unless you're millionaires, it probably doesn't matter too much. But if you're not a millionaire and you're making just a little bit less than that sometimes. Now, let's just, let's just have a little scenario. Your wife is doing the finances, and all of a sudden, there's way more bills left over at the end of the month than there is money. Oh, I wonder how am I going to pay this. I wonder if they're going to turn off our electricity. I wonder if I want to, we won't even have enough money for groceries. What am I going to do? She, is she feel, guys, is she feeling secure right now? She's feeling scared to death. She's not secure. She's the one having to do the bills. She's trying to figure out how things are going to get paid. She is scared to death. How are you, being a, how are you protecting her and making her feel secure by letting her do the finances and, and trying to figure out, but she does such a good job. Yeah, so what? It doesn't mean that's the way it's supposed to be. Man, you got to provide that security for her. Ladies, the man's greatest need is approval. I speak by experience. I know. Our greatest need is, is the approval to say, you the man, right? I live for that. When my wife looks at me, she goes, you're a stud muffin. I'm like, yeah, you're lying, but I love it. Keep it coming, right? We need that approval. That's just the way God designed us. We need that approval. You see how different we are? But we all have these, these needs, and so that's why I say when, when the man comes in from doing the yard work, starting the grill, come home from work, lay a hug and a kiss on him. Because that's what he wants. That's what he needs. Now here's one that, you, that we can both do. Men and women, we can both do this one. And I have to admit, I have failed in this area. But I have to tell you too, it's disgusting when I, now that I'm aware of it and I see it and I, I, I see it happening around me. And here it is. Don't you tear the other person down in public to other people. Don't you do it. If she's not a wonderful, awesome cook, you don't, don't say, oh, my wife could burn it. She, you, want, you want food poison? Just come over to our house. Don't do that. Don't say that. 
So she's not a cook. You know, you say, my wife is a hot mama. She is, she is beautiful. She's the best mom. She's the best homemaker. She's the best grandma. She's the best. You, you find all those things to, to raise her up and how great she is in those areas. Don't you focus on her negative area, okay? Ladies, if your man would struggle to change a light bulb, don't highlight that and say, hey, my, 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 my husband can't do anything. You want something broke? Bring him over to my, your house. He'll, fit, he'll break it for you. Don't do that. You highlight what he's good at. Oh, you should taste the way my, my husband grills. You know, he is wonderful. He's the best dad. He's the best grandpa. He's the best provider. And, and you find those areas where you can build your man up. Together, we stop the negative talk, especially in front of other people. You want to value? You want to honor someone? Speak words of life and encouragement and build them up in front of other people. You have no idea, amen. amen. You have no idea the impact that can make on somebody. Just put yourself in those shoes for a minute. Like, you know, if, if my wife were to say, you know what, my husband is just a short, dorky, bald guy. He has, doesn't have like two talents. You know what I'm going to do the rest of my life? I'm going to be a short, dorky, bald guy and I'm going to think... I'm going to think what I thought before I met Pastor Keith. I'm just going to go through life and make the best of what's left. Is that how we're supposed to live? No. Speak life. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, you got it? So say the word honor. honor. Now live it, all right? Here's the third word, sacrifice. Say sacrifice. sacrifice. Very good. The willingness to act on another's behalf sacrifice, the willingness to act on another's behalf. But, but preacher, that, that person doesn't deserve forgiveness. You, you, don't, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how bad they've hurt me. You don't know how deep it went. You don't know how many times they've hurt me. You're right. The preacher doesn't know. But God knows. But here's the cool thing about God. You see, what we, what we know is what we see. Right? We see the hurt, Period. God sees the hurt, and he sees right through everything else. He sees the motivation. He sees the hate. He sees the, angst, the anger. He sees the jealousy. He sees all of the ugliness of the motivation of the bad thing. And you know what he says? Continue to imitate Christ. Right? But pre no, no, no. He just says, I've seen it. I know, I know the motivation. I know all of the ugliness, and I still say, imitate Christ. Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. Look at, I love this verse of scripture. It's 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. Most of y'all probably know it. It says, my children, our love should not be just words and talk. It must be true love, which shows itself in action. Did you catch all the conditions of that verse there? Did you, did you see them all? No, because there aren't any. There are no conditions on that. If we are to be followers, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we follow him all the time. We aren't to just to love the people who deserve it. We're to love all people. We aren't just to love when it's convenient for us. We're to love at all times. And sometimes we, I see this tick for tack world, and I have to believe it just breaks the heart of God. Amen. Our love should pour out on everyone, and that's what this church is known for, loving God and loving people. Amen? Now, I love this verse of scripture, and 
and y'all probably can be able to help me with it here, but it says something about the world will know that you are my disciples by that Jesus bumper sticker on your car, right? Is that what it is? No. no? How we love one another. How we love one another? I sure, I thought it said, we'll know that we're my disciples by how you listen to Christian music or you speak Christianese. No? No. 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 John 13, 35 says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Amen. Absolutely. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, as I close, I, I just, I just want to say I hope and I pray that at least one of those nuggets will fall onto your heart and your mind, and you'll discover some way to pick that up and say, this is an area that I really need to improve on. And maybe some of y'all, you're like, you know what, I need to trade myself in for a whole new me because I need a complete remodel. Like, I, 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 I mess up all of those things. Don't stress out. You just grab one thing. Just grab one of them and start working on it. Be diligent, be sincere about working on one area. You know what's going to happen? That other person's going to see it, and they're going to give you mercy and grace because they see you're trying, and they're going to smile, and they're going to they're they're help you. They're going to help you to do the right thing. Right? They're going to stand by the door. Right? And wait for you to open it. They're going to give you grace to improve where you need to improve. So remember our definition of submission. Having the courage to give up my rights to meet the needs of someone else. What's your area this morning that you need to work on this week in relationships? Understanding that preferring one another. You know, where you can just get out there and just say, you know what? It's always about me. I always order Canadian bacon with extra cheese. From now on, it's going to be about what someone else wants. I'm going to order the sausage. Right? You fill in the blanks for you. Prefer the other person. Find how valuable that is. Find how impactful it will be when you actually stop being so self-centered and focused on your wants, needs, and desires and you start focusing on what the other person wants. You'll discover it's a whole new world. Preferring one another. The other area, honor. In honoring them. Opening car doors, opening restaurant doors, speaking words of life. You're awesome. Moa, the way you changed that light bulb was amazing. Right? Whatever it is, you start small and you just, just build upon that. And maybe it's the area of sacrifice. And you're here this morning, you're struggling with forgiveness. But preacher, they don't deserve it. I'm glad Jesus didn't wait until I was deserving of forgiveness. Amen. Amen. No matter how wronged you have been, you and I will always be the greater debtor. No matter how bad we think we have been hurt, we've done far worse to Christ. And we need to remember that. Who are we to withhold forgiveness when Jesus says, imitate Christ? I know it hurt, and I know the motives were horrible, and they were absolutely evil. Imitate Christ anyway. So what is the area you need to work on this morning? I pray you just really let Jesus speak to you because this isn't a message that you just walk away from and, and forget. Start implementing because the most important thing we have on this earth besides our salvation is the relationships around us. Let's invest heavily in them. We're gonna pray. I wanna pray over you and then we're gonna sing another song and I want you to be fully engaged in both. Father,
Thanks for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your instruction. Thank you for your people. Thank you for this privilege to bring the word here at Celebrate. I pray, God, this morning that you would do for us what we're unable to do for ourselves. Because in our own efforts, we can do nothing but fail miserably. But through you, we can do everything. We take that scripture, we apply it, and we believe it. We're going to walk it out. Because greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. You are an awesome God, a good, good father. Help us to be the husband, the wife, the friend that is truly worthy of that relationship. Help us to take that very seriously. Help us to learn the art of preferring. Help us to learn and hone the skill of honoring. And help us always to remember, no matter what has happened, you call us to imitate you. We love you with all of our hearts. And we join together in the name of Christ and say, Amen.